0: What's probably the most frustrating thing about Chase Claypool is that he'll make the big play, and as a result, we will think that he is the big play guy. He doesn't have to be that, and he might actually be more dangerous if he isn't. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into... Hockey and/or baseball, I also offer daily shots of penguins and pirates that I hope you'll check out. Claypool lined up in the slot quite a bit in both OTAs and the minicamp that were recently completed. He confirmed as much, and he didn't look at all uncomfortable there, nor did he look unusual. Which maybe you'd think that he would, given that, you know, he's a really big guy and you think of him as the classic wideout with the Martavis Bryant build and the Martavis Bryant strides. And, well, Martavis could do a lot of things that Claypool can't, so I'm not going to carry it a whole lot further than that. But he has that visual to him. So when you see him anywhere near the inside, it looks a little different. But then. Upon closer inspection, if you go over Claypool's catches, if you go over the plays that he's made, including some of the big plays, a lot of them have been made from right there in the slot. And I know you know what I'm talking about. He'll get that quick flick and then just use those big strides, ideally either right around or right behind the inside linebackers and just go. Just go. He sees grass, and he takes off. We've seen that how many times from him. He's really, really good in space to use the scouting parlance. Now, that said, we've also seen him get end-arounds. He's kind of looked borderline like a running back at times. We've seen intermediate routes, and yes, of course, we have seen the deep ball. And if you want evidence of that, go back and watch the second half. Of that loss in Minneapolis, which is remembered and rightly so for the horrific run defense, but the offense between Ben and Claypool and Deontay Johnson and a lot of other guys was amazing in that second half. And Claypool might have been the driving force for most of it. This is okay. A wide receiver doesn't have to be limited as to where they line up. One of the things that I like the most about this group, at least from the potential standpoint, is that you do have a lot of different guys who can move to a lot of different positions. Matt Canada has made it clear that he likes it that way. Anything at all that's an element of suspense or surprise for the other team, that's a plus for your side. You're always looking to try to disguise what everyone's doing on the field, all 11 guys. And I'd say that might be even more the case for this offense, considering there isn't really a wide receiver that you'd bother doubling. And if that sounds mean or disrespectful to Deontay, so be it. You just don't see him get doubled. And this is a guy who finished 10th in the league last year in catches, and he still didn't see a lot. So if they're going to try to you know, single cover everybody or put, players against your wide receivers who aren't even corners, then moving the parts around as much as possible makes a whole lot of sense. And if one of those is Claypool, it makes a whole lot of sense. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Here's some of what Claypool had to say in minicamp about being moved around a lot, particularly as it relates to to the slot i mean it's uh when you're wide wideout, it's, it's easier because it's corner safety basically tells you like the coverage for the most part um you know when you're in the slot you, if you have like a dover or something you have to figure out you just have to figure out who's covering you maybe on the backside, or if it's right in front of your face or or something so they disguise it a little more i feel like when you're in the inside hey good for him not everybody has that attitude uh, believe me in the days of wide receivers being really, really narrowly defined, there was much more value attached to being the wide out. You were the slot guy. This kind of seemed like the same way we talk about corners. You know, the corner who can handle the outside gets the big money. The slot corners, not so much. But as NFL offenses evolve, With more receivers on the field more regularly, they're finding other ways to create splash. It doesn't all have to be Terry Bradshaw dropping back three steps and letting one fly to John Stallworth. Or Ben doing it with Mike Wallace. Everybody had their role. Remember when uh, Mike Tomlin used to joke with Wallace and call him a one-trick pony. He did that one whole training camp for one year in Latrobe. And Wallace, he, he kind of pretended that he was offended by it, but he really wasn't. He also knew that the coach was trying to make a point, is that you got to be able to do more things than that one thing. If we look at the things that we haven't liked about Claypool in his time in the NFL, and he was pretty candid about these subjects in minicamp as well, it's been that Inability to go up and make that combat catch, whether it's been a lack of upper body strength, whether it's been a lack of footwork. I think you know what I'm talking about there. All the times you can remember him just kind of getting tangled up and falling down, sometimes seemingly with no reason. Maybe it's applying too much pressure to one part of his game in which he doesn't necessarily excel. This way, if you have him doing different things, You have him breaking plays in different forms, including the end around and everything else. You get that confidence up. And I'm going to go back again to that game in Minneapolis. See, that was the night that he also did the first down thing. And I asked him about it afterward. The video of that went viral and whatever else. And it's going to be remembered by almost everybody. Me too, obviously. As a negative. But my goodness, did he show what he could do? He did a little bit of everything. And that would be one massive weapon for the Steelers to have this coming season. When we come back, J1Q. in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Mike, who asks, no way they'll keep Deontay Johnson after what they picked up in the draft, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what you mean, Mike, if it's this coming season or the season after that for an extension. Sometimes these things get confused when they're discussed, uh, and especially among casual fans. I'm not presuming that you're one of them, Mike, since you're listening to a podcast called Daily Shot of Steelers. But Deontay is signed for the coming season. The issue at hand is whether or not the Steelers would sign him to a long-term extension, a second contract, that would keep him in Pittsburgh beyond the coming season. In case... Anyone doesn't know that, but I'll tell you what I'm on record here as saying that I'm not in favor of a second contract for Deontay. I don't see him as a true number one. and We can all define that different ways and we can all be right. You know, I, I, I'm going to get a lot of blowback just for saying it again here because as I'll acknowledge the numbers are, Don't exactly bolster my argument when you're a top 10 guy in the NFL in catches and you're number 8 in yards after the catch. That kind of looks like a number one receiver. But I'll reiterate that he doesn't draw that much attention from opposing defenses. Those coaches, I dare say, know a whole heck of a lot more than what any of us know when we're watching this stuff. Having a receiver who draws double coverage is, in and of itself, a weapon. Deontay will get some, depending on the situation, but not at all on a regular basis. Whereas, since you brought it up, George Pickens, and Pickens alone before I even get into Calvin Austin, is seen very broadly as having that type of potential. One analyst just in the past week Went on the record on NFL Network as saying that Pickens might be the best receiver in the entire draft. Well, if that's the case, then Deontay's going to be rendered moot before halfway through the coming season, at least in terms of an extension. And if Austin can meet the Steelers' expectations, which even though he's a little guy, happen to be pretty high, they don't see him as a gadget guy, they don't see him just as some kind of a uh, kick return or whatever. They think he can make plays in the offense and explosive plays at that, utilizing his extraordinary speed. Well, Then, you know, this is why I keep saying that this isn't a knock on Deontay as much as it is an awareness that in any given draft, there's a bounty of these guys out there. There's no position like it in football right now. You can have wide receivers. You can have all the wide receivers you want as long as you commit to taking at least one out of your top two picks. You're going to get a very good, maybe even great wide receiver in the second round every year. There hasn't been an exception to this for as long as I can remember. And you know what? If Deontay is great, If Deontay rises up into a true number one and he sustains it over all 17 games instead of falling off for the last month and a half as he's done the past couple of years, talk to him. He's still gonna wanna go out and test the open market. Of course he is, but he's still around. You know, you can still negotiate something or you can just say, you know what? We're gonna put this money into something else and we're just gonna draft another wide receiver. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.